Welcome back to episode 93 of the Draft FC podcast. Welcome back to the Draft FC podcast, the podcast dedicated to all things Draft FBL. My name is Mitch and I'm your host. And this is a little bonus episode wrapping up the summer transfer window going over some of the players that have signed late in the window and picking out the ones who are relevant to our draft teams. It feels like the longest summer transfer window in memory. Uh, Now that it's finally concluded, we can actually see how the squads are shaping up before the terminal starts again in January. I'm expecting that next January transfer window to be crazy as there still be a good half of the season to go and lots of names in the shop window after the World Cup. But back to the present Um, I'm going to be doing this in alphabetical order just through E, so I'll go through each club. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on any of the names and faces that we're used to, all the ones that have already been playing for the last month or so, and we'll just try to lean a bit more into those who have only joined in the last week or so. Also, this is only going to be uh, mainly about the key additions, and I'll only mention departures if they're relevant. Overall, the transfer window has felt more like quantity over quality in a lot of ways. But anyway, let's get into it. So let's start with Arsenal. Jesus, Zinchenko, Vieira, Marquinhos and Turner, the players in this summer. Uh, I won't talk about the obvious names there. Vieira, we still haven't seen much of him um, because his start at Arsenal has been hampered by injuries. And I'd say there probably isn't much... Uh, point holding him at this stage in your draft team so he's going to find it difficult breaking into that midfield at the moment with the way it's been performing but I guess Xhaka is always a red card away from him getting his break. Marquinhos is a young Brazilian midfielder plays off the right he's only 19 so I doubt he'll be much of a regular this season unless a couple of significant injuries occur again not one I'd be looking at until circumstances change. Uh, Pepe leaving on loan does improve his chances of at least getting some substitute appearances And then Turner is now the backup uh, goalkeeper for Ramsdale now that Leno has gone to Fulham. So only relevant to those who are looking to handcuff Ramsdale. On to Aston Villa, they've signed Diego Carlos, uh, Augustinsson, Kamara, Bednarak, Dendonka and also made uh, deals permanent for Coutinho and Olsen in goal. Diego Carlos is unfortunately out for a while. Augustinsson is back up for Dinia. Olsen is back up for Martinez. Um, Kamara is a very solid centre mid who's come straight in there but not probably one to consider for your draft teams we all know what Coutinho is about at this stage um, even if we can't be sure that he starts every game at the moment and then Bednarak and uh, Dendonka are hardly exciting signings but we all know what they're capable of in the Premier League and are pretty safe pairs of hands next is Bournemouth Uh, obviously Scott Parker was the first uh, managerial casualty in the Premier League this season Uh, after making his feelings pretty clear about the business that Bournemouth have or haven't done this summer. Their main signings this summer were Tavernier, Senesi, Rothwell, Fredericks, uh, Stevens from Southampton and Neto in goal. Senesi has gone straight into the starting eleven, but I need a Bournemouth defender as much as I need a a decaf coffee first thing in the morning. Tavernier may become an option in attacking mid should Bournemouth show a bit more about them. Um, and come up against a nice run of fixtures, but he's just one I've got half an eye on for now. For those in larger leagues, uh, I think Neto is clearly a a goalkeeping option if you're short of any other playing options. Um, Travers is clearly second choice now, and that's already been made clear. Um, Though if you've got any half-decent keeper, you may prefer to handcuff them rather than have the starting Bournemouth keeper, and I wouldn't blame you. 
up to London and Brentford and their main signings this summer were Lewis Potter, Hickey, Damsgaard, Strakosha, me and Dervis Soglu. Uh, we've seen, I think we've seen all of Brentford's new signings already in the squad at least. Uh, Strakosha is the new deputy for Raya in goal. Hickey and me have ended up as first 11 for now, um, at least uh, right back and centre back respectively. Both not bad shouts if you fancy them for a clean sheet over the next few weeks. Lewis Potter is somebody I've been keen to see some more of in his sub appearance against Everton last weekend. Saw him come on and get his first attacking return, flicking on the corner at the front post for Jan out to stab in from just a couple of yards out. His expected stats have him at one assist so far, which is obviously exactly what he's got. The spot he'd be looking to nail down is the left-sided attacking spot, which as far as I'm concerned has not been nailed down by Visser through the opening five games. Damsgaard is a name we're all familiar with from international football, but I don't think many, uh, myself included, can claim to have seen him play many games at club level, unless you are a big Serie A fan. He's not currently somebody I'm interested in for draft, and I don't think it would be surprising to see him hold down uh, one of those number eight spots sooner rather than later, but he's never been prolific, and I'd have to see a real upturn in his attacking involvement before I consider him. Dervisolu is... um, just in there for some striker rotation. Already has one this season, but he's not one to consider unless injuries stack up. But even then, I don't think he'd come in um, as a like-for-like, even if Tony was out. Back down to the south coast. Um, Brighton, impressive start for them. Their main signings this summer were Undav, uh, Colwill, Enciso, Supernan and Billy Gilmore. Um, some notable departures for them, uh, obviously Eve Basuna, uh, Duffy, Cucurella and Neil Mopé. Um, we're just starting to see a Stupinan integrated into the first 11 um, and uh, he's sort of burst onto the scene for many FPL managers uh, over the last few weeks. He started the last couple of games at left wing back. Still looks very raw, but his involvement means Trossard is now able to play in a more advanced role. So I think we'll continue to see him slot in there. Undav is someone I'm interested to see more of and with Welbeck's injury record and fragility should get enough opportunities this season to show whether or not he's up to it in the Premier League. Particularly with the departure of Mope, I thought we'd have, uh, I thought we'd have seen more of him by now. But uh, you know, with the familiar faces like Gross, McAllister, Trossard, and Welbeck having started the season so well, he's just going to have to wait his turn. Levi Colwell was received as part of the deal uh, when Cucurella left for Chelsea. Um, I think he's probably an injury away from a run of games in the back three, but that back three looks pretty steady at the moment. So just one to keep very much on the periphery of your radar for now. Next to the club who uh, I think have spent the most this summer, if I'm not wrong, and that's Chelsea. Some very big name signings, Cucurella, Raheem Sterling, Koulibaly, Chukwameka, Fafana, Aubameyang, Zakaria. Um, obviously some big moves going the other way as well. Timo Werner, Romelu Lukaku, um, Malang Sarr, Rudiger, Christensen have all left. So um, lots of ins and outs for Chelsea this summer. Uh, we all know what Sterling's about. Koulibaly was uh, very much in our thoughts for draft day. Um, Cucurella as well. Fafana is uh, one of the newest additions um, to cover some of those departures this summer. It's no small fee for a 21-year-old centre-back uh, as that fee moves him from being a prospect to a guy that has very much world-class expectations on his shoulders. The other two in the back three are not bad to serve that apprenticeship under and I'm confident for that price he'll be a regular for Chelsea in fact, uh, just earlier today, um, recording this on Saturday the 3rd, he's already slotted in to a starting 11 spot in their home match against West Ham. He hasn't been without injury trouble and we didn't really get to see him last season due to the broken leg he suffered in pre-season a year ago. There has been talk of 
his ceiling being a lot higher than Leicester, more or less, since he first joined them. But I have to say so far, I haven't seen anything that makes him stand out to be as sought after as he is, not least because Leicester have been defensively terrible with or without him over the past couple of years. As I said, though, he has been thrown straight into the starting eleven. Uh, I imagine that back three will be relatively settled, which will only help them defensively. Uh, so if you are after just uh, any piece of the Chelsea clean sheet action, Fofana is a very worthwhile choice. Zakaria, uh, I won't say much in him. He's a central defensive midfielder. will sit in one of their um, uh, midfield twos. I'm sure you know he'll feature plenty for them, will be a good addition, but he's not an FPL option for now. And then finally, but uh, by no means least, is Pierre Aymeric Aubameyang. You know, there is a special place in hell reserved for guys that have played for Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, think of Ashley Cole, David Luiz, Fabregas, uh, Willian, Olivier Giroud. Um, fuck knows what we do with William Gallas, but uh, now Aubameyang joins that list of degenerates. Things obviously went very sour at the end of his time at Arsenal, but I don't think there's any doubt he's still a top-class striker when shown the right love and the right environment. We've seen him post back-to-back 200-point-plus seasons uh, in FBL terms, scoring 22 goals on both of those occasions, but his playing time and output have just slowly fell since then, uh, since about 2020. He will rightly be the most wavered in player ahead of game week seven. His name and his star power is uh, is too much really to turn down. Say so the only other player who we'll mention later is Anthony. But for me, it'd be an absolute no brainer if it was a toss up between the two. And uh, I would be getting him straight into my draft squad. At Crystal Palace, not not many exciting moves there. Um, Decore, Richards, Johnston and Ebiwai in... Um, yeah, I'm not really going to talk much about them. I don't think there's too much to say. For Everton, quite a few in. We've got Onana, McNeil, Neil Mopay. And then earlier on, Tarkovsky, Vinagre, Cody. Uh, Gaze also rejoined right at the end on deadline day. Some notable uh, outs. Richarlison obviously moved to Spurs. And Deli Ali has gone to Besiktas. So another busy summer for Everton. I'm not convinced the squad looks a whole lot better than it did last season. Defensively, their list of centre-backs has grown uh, with Tarkovsky and Cody added to the likes of Holgate, Keane, Mina and Godfrey. I think you could take any two or three from there uh, and I don't think you lose or gain very much at all. Mope is a solid addition and probably addresses one of their biggest needs, which is a backup for DCL when he's injured, but don't have any doubt that he is a backup slash cut player. Anana looks to be a solid addition in the middle and he ought to be for the fee they paid for him. And I think he should make them better in the middle of the park. He's not one to consider for FPL and pretty much the same as Gay. And we know what we're getting there because we've seen him in a toffee shirt before. Down to Fulham and they've signed Polina, Issa Diop, Andres Pereiro, Burnt Leno, Duffy, Willian and Kazawa. Leno will have been snapped up appropriately in most leagues as starting keeper. Polina has been a good addition in uh, central midfield, but not an FPL option particularly. Uh, Andreas Pereira is definitely one to keep an eye on, and I'm sure his ownership will fluctuate throughout the season depending on Fulham's fixtures. He looks set to start most games and has looked generally pretty lively since going into the team there. Uh, Diop, I would imagine, will become the long-term partner for uh, Tosin in place of the veteran Tim Ream. Kazawa is French left back, obviously come from PSG, should provide good competition with Robinson. I'm not sure who would rather have between the two, but Kazawa certainly provides more experience. And obviously we've got the return of uh, 
William, um, yeah, I don't really know what to say on that one. Up north again to Leeds, and they've signed Aronson, Sinestra, Adams, Christensen and Rocker. Um, obviously notable leaves were Rafinha and Phillips. We've we've seen all of their new guys already and all seem very good additions that improve their first 11. Uh, Sinestra has had the slower start due to injury, but I think we'll start to see what he can do over the coming weeks. And uh, even since prepping this this afternoon, he scored in their defeat to Brentford. I think he'll particularly be able to get a decent run now that Dan James has left and that Rodrigo is injured for a while. So uh, we should have a pretty settled front four for Leeds in uh, Bamford up top with uh, Aronson, Sinestra and Harrison in behind. Down to uh, Leicester. Um, not much to say here, really. They've just signed uh, Wout Vaz, who I think will be a direct replacement for Fafana by the looks of things. Um, never heard of him before, so uh, I don't know anything about him other than he's likely to be a starter. So if for whatever reason you did want some of the Leicester defensive action, he could be an option. Personally, I'm steering well clear of that area and I reckon Brendan Rodgers is uh, one of the names who could end up leaving sooner rather than later. Up to Liverpool, um, some big signings for them this summer. Darwin Nunes, obviously the biggest one. Carvalho, Ramsey and then uh, late in the window, Arthur Mayo um, to cover some of their central midfield injuries. He's not really an FBL option as he'll be more of a sitting central midfielder um, and you already know what the others are about. For Manchester City, aside from the obvious ones that we know about, Haaland and uh, Alvarez, as well as backup keeper Ortega, plus as well signing Calvin Phillips from Leeds. We know all about those guys already. Um, the later additions were Akanji. Um, he was their last addition from Dortmund. He's been at Dortmund for years, but he's no longer starting 11, so he's just been looking to move on. I'm not 100% sure what the plan is here, whether he's just further centre-back cover, um, given how injury-prone some of them are. Um, or if he is actually going to get worked into the 11. And then Gomez is the other later addition to provide cover at left back. We've already seen him make a couple of substitute appearances already. So um, I'm sure he'll get a few starts this season and we'll get to see more of what he's about. On the other side of the city at United, um, it's been another odd season in the transfer market. Um, I think you could take any review of their summer, summer moves from the last few years and it would probably apply to this year as well with no seemingly no coherent plan with who they're signing. Their signings this year were Martinez, Malassia, Ericsson. Um, they added Casemiro, Jabravka's come in to back up to Haya, uh, and then Anthony came in right at the end of the window. So um, Casemiro, most of us will know about and will quickly be integrated into the starting 11. I'm not convinced we're going to see a Rolls Royce there, but his record has to speak for itself. Whether he truly is one of the best uh, CDMs of our generation will be quickly found out as the frost starts to descend over the coming months. Then, as I mentioned uh, earlier with Abamyang, the player on every manager's uh, waiver pile, waiver want list, or waiver wish list this week is Anthony. The fee is very steep, but uh, I think what United are gambling on is a superstar they can develop over a number of years, not weeks or months. His numbers are far from spectacular, particularly when you consider the kind of numbers players from the Dutch league um, are usually getting when they come over to the Premiership. Um, jokes have been made about him being comparable to Steven Bergwijn and the numbers are not too dissimilar. I think naturally the club, the fee, the skills will attract many towards him, as I said, in the waivers this week. Uh, and I'm not saying he's a bad pick, but I'd much rather get the likes of a Bamiang or even Isaac for Newcastle if he's still floating around. 
uh, over him. The choice for many will be between him and Aubameyang. But uh, yeah, if you're, if you're down near the bottom of your league and you've got the chance of taking him, I think you have to. Speaking of Isaac, let's go to Newcastle. Um, so they've added uh, Nick Pope. Botman at centre-back target became a permanent move. And then they obviously signed Isaac as their record signing. Um, now if I had a pound for every question I've had about Isaac in the last week, I'd have about eight quid. Uh, a new club record signing for Geordie Arabia and probably not the last time we'll hear that over the next couple of years and a big statement for the future. He was part of the Real Sociedad team that finished sixth in the Liga last year, securing Europa League football for the third year in a row. His best season was in 2021, where he got 17 goals and two assists from 34 appearances. The only concern is that was obviously the season before last and last year there was um, quite a regression in his output figures with just six goals and two assists from around the same number of games. Somebody who knows more about football than I do though saw it fit to pay 60 million for him so he can't be bad at sticking the ball in the net and indeed we've already seen that last week where he came straight in for his debut against Liverpool, scored the opening goal, uh, very unlucky with his second one which was ruled out but we got to see exactly what he's about. Very direct, good finish, uh, very quick. Looks like an absolute specimen and a much more reliable number nine that Newcastle can build around for the next few years. As I said, for me, um, it's between him and Aubameyang if you had a, a clean list of all of them this week as to who I'd take first on the waivers. Now, Nottingham Forest, we could do a whole podcast on Nottingham Forest, you know, by itself. Uh, I can't remember what the final tally stood for their their signings. I think it was 21. Some of the notable ones, Gibbs White, Awaniyi, Dennis, Mangala, Niakate, O'Brien, Freuler, uh, Lingard, Henderson in goal on loan, Bowley, um, plus many, many more. As I said, we've seen quite a few of these already because they had to basically create a new starting eleven. So, uh, in fact, I think out of all of those, we... Yeah, I think we pretty much have seen all of those already. So we know what they're about. They almost nearly signed Batshuayi on the final day as well, which was absolutely mad because I don't know how they'd have fitted him in as well. At the time of recording this, they've just had a really poor defeat at home to Bournemouth, having been 2-0 up. So that will really knock them back. Um, and uh, yeah, if they're going to survive this season, they're going to need to get that combination of 11 right sooner rather than later. Down to Southampton, uh, signed Bazunu, who's their new number one, Sekumara. Lavia, Bella Kotchap, uh, Rebo, and also signed uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles from Arsenal on loan at the end, which I think is a good addition for them in midfield. You'd have to say, based on that list, it's not been a bad transfer window for Southampton. Um, as apart from Sekumara, all of those guys have come in and made the first 11 slightly better. For now, it's just slightly better, as I don't see them making much progress compared to last year when they finished 15th. And basically, we're in relegation form in the last couple of months. Defensively, they need a bit more time to become a cohesive unit, but all the pieces are there. Outside of their first 11, though, the supporting cast that we're used to seeing, um, you know, both Armstrongs, Gineppo, Alianusi, I don't think are ever going to set the world alight. And I feel for Southampton to really step up, they need reinvigorating systemically um, as things just feel a little stale under Ralph Hasenhutl. There was no late business for Spurs, so all of their stuff uh, I think we pretty much knew about for draft day. Richarlison, Basuma, Spence, Forster, Perisic and Longley. Uh, we've seen all of them now, so yeah, I'm not going to talk too much about those guys. West Ham were pretty busy in the transfer market this summer. They signed Scamaccia, Aguerd, Corne, uh, Emerson from Chelsea, Kera. Ariola, they turned his deal permanent as backup to Fabianski. 
uh, and Paqueta from Lyon. Now, Scamaccia, I predicted, would get the nod in game week four, uh, but it wasn't really a return to the free-flowing football we got used to seeing from West Ham last year, um, and they were fortunate to get the win in the end. Um, they were good value for the draw in midweek, which he didn't come on for, uh, and then I don't think he's featured today uh, in their match away at Chelsea. But whether or not um, West Ham actually want to replace Antonio or not, he misses enough games that a suitable replacement was needed if they're going to continue to compete. Uh, I rate him from what I've seen already, and I think the other West Ham attacking players can complement him quite well uh, once they're all more comfortable playing with each other. Maxwell Cornet is a player we're obviously used to seeing in Claret Blue. Uh, I think he does get into a best 11 for West Ham once he's worked his way in. It just remains to be seen whether they're a back four or five, which then dictates whether he's a left-sided attacker or a left wing back. But I think Moyes will end up preferring him because, uh, you know, as well as doing the, the fancy stuff at the other end, he can also track back. Emerson was one of those Chelsea players you forget exists, making the move across to the other side of London. Uh, I would think his playing opportunities will be a lot better at West Ham than they were at Chelsea. And I'd be reasonably sure he ends up nailing down a starting spot. But again, how they set up tactically will influence how much he is used um, and probably another one just to keep an eye on for now. Finally, they've uh, signed Lucas Paqueta from Lyon for, uh, I think, just under £40 million. He looks an absolute unit in that team. He looks like a real typical West Ham player and also brings that flair that they've probably been missing at times. Um, He's played over 30 games for Brazil, scored a few goals for them. He scored nine from midfield in uh, both of Lyon's last two league campaigns. So he looks far better than the likes of Lanzini and Fornells already. Um, so I'm pretty sure he will end up nailing down a starting eleven. And if he had to sort of, you know, assuming uh, West Ham play with their standard 4-2-3-1, I think Suchek and Rice are clearly the, the sitters there. Um, doesn't really matter, I think, who you have up top, whether that's Antonio or Scamaccia. Uh, and then behind, you would have to say, um, or certainly what would uh, give me the most fear as an opponent would be Cornet on the left, Bowen on the right and Paqueta in the centre there as a number 10. Uh, I think that could be a really exciting attack. Finally, we've got Wolves. Uh, again, they've been reasonably busy by their standards this summer. They signed Nunes, uh, Gedez, Collins went in at the beginning. Huang, they turned uh, into a permanent deal who was already there on loan. And then towards the end of the window, they signed Sasa Kalajic from Stuttgart as another striker to back up uh, Jimenez um, and potentially Huang. But I think Jimenez is the main one they're backing up there. And he got his first start today in their match against Southampton. He only played the first half. I think he got some sort of knock. So they took him off at halftime more as a precaution. But from what I've seen, it sounds like he had a decent opening game, despite not really having played much with the uh, rest of his teammates. Wolves um, have clearly been lacking goals this season already, so they'll be hoping he can hit the ground running. He's not had spectacular numbers from his previous club so far, and they say they signed him from Stuttgart. Uh, he scored 23 from 57 appearances, but if he can at least replicate that in a Wolves shirt, I'm sure they'll be happy with uh, Jimenez then trying to chip in with the rest, as well as the rest of the sporting cast that we already know, who you'd have to say so far have struggled. <laughs> So that's it for this episode. Not going to do too much more until we're back in midweek with the Game Week 7 preview. Uh, If you are a fan of the podcast and you haven't been subscribed already, please make sure you subscribe on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts on. 
Uh, if you haven't already, please also head over to draftfc.co.uk and check out all the stuff we've been working on this summer. If you're yet to sign up, we've got a seven-day free trial so you can access everything that we've got going on for free and uh, see if you like it to sign up for the season ahead. I'll be interested to hear if you guys have any insight on any of these new signings that I might have missed or think I've undervalued any of the signings that we've already mentioned. But best of luck with your draft teams as we're getting well into the season now. Uh, and as always, stay shook. Sure.